1: And you're here. Thanks for choosing the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Your quest for podcasts of the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained ends here. We invite you to enjoy all our shows we have on this network. And right now, let's start start with with Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. Champlain.
2: Hi, I'm Sandra Champlain. For over 25 years, I've been on a journey to prove the existence of life after death. On each episode, we'll discuss the reasons we now know that our loved ones have survived physical death, and so will we. Welcome to Shades of the Afterlife. Have you ever had some really great synchronicities and you think to yourself, there's obviously something bigger going on here? We have guides, we have, I think, people with a sense of humor that can put people in our path just at the time we need it. I get emails all the time of these synchronicities that happen where people end up finding out about this show. And I remember a gentleman writing me whose three-year-old daughter had passed. He picked up his cell phone and he said, Hey Siri, play me some news. And you may know that I've had a second podcast for almost 10 years now called We Don't Die Radio. So when he asked for the news, instead of getting news, up popped an episode of my We Don't Die Radio. He went on to listening to many episodes and wrote me to let me know how much my words and episodes made a difference, believing his three-year-old daughter not only lives on, but is a part of his life and witnessing what he and his wife are doing. I also remember someone writing me who had never heard of me, but her child had passed as well. She lives alone, she walked into her house, and her smart TV was on. YouTube was playing, and what was it playing? A replay of one of my Sunday gatherings. Our Sunday gatherings are the weekly inspirational service at 2 p.m. New York time every Sunday. But with it is a medium demonstration. So she not only was empowered by the words of the service, but also seeing how many people received beautiful communications from their loved ones. And she was hooked. She's been a part of our community ever since. I'm recording this prior to Christmas in 2022. And a couple of weeks ago, I found a Christmas tree farm where you could go pick out your tree, they put a tag on it, and they cut it fresh for you the day before you pick it up. As I was waiting in line to pay for the tree, the couple before me saw a big dog that someone had and they went, oh, we miss whatever the name of their dog was. And so the woman just turned around and I just said, well, I believe our dogs and pets the first ones to greet us when we go. Simple as that. And she shared, wow, I hope so. Because not only do I have many animals in the afterlife, but most of our families are there too. And so I had that decision to make. Am I honest about who I am? Or do I just brush it under the rug and pretend I'm just Sandra Champlain, Christmas tree buyer? You know what I did. I said to them, I don't know if this is appropriate to share, but I've actually been studying the evidence of the afterlife for over 25 years now, and I've written a book on it. With that, they chose to tell me so many stories, not only going to mediums and signs that they've received, but ultimately, I have two new friends for the rest of my life. One story the wife told me was the night before her sister passed. Her sister wanted her to iron her green party dress. And she says, well, why do you want me to iron the dress? She says, I need to wear it. They're going to take me dancing. Before she passed, she told her sister again that they were there for her and they were taking her dancing. Goosebumps, just telling you this, there's so many situations where there's opportunities And our ego, our little negative voice, will want us to be afraid, saying people will think you're crazy, and not share. But doing some research, there are more than 70% of people that believe in the afterlife. But there are probably 99.9% of people that are too afraid to talk about it. One of our biggest fears is being cast out in society not being loved, not being liked, thought of as being weird. I know when I wrote my book, We Don't Die, and it came out, I was petrified at what people in my life would think of me. At that time, I was working with my mom. We had a 30-plus year business catering for race car teams. I had set up a table so if people wanted to buy a book, they could. And a race car driver's father surprised me with a giant nine-foot banner that says, is there any proof of life after death? Sandra Champlain says yes. And he put that up under our tent. So we have between 800 and 1,000 people that walk through at any one given meal, and everything in my identity was scared to death that people would think I was a lunatic. A couple did. I mentioned that previously, that someone wanted to pray for me and have the demons cast out of me. I took their prayers. But the rest of them were interested. Many people told me about their near-death experiences. People told me about their own fears. One gentleman had his child transition to the afterlife and wanted to know what I knew. One woman had breast cancer and was facing her mortality, and wanted to know what I know. One man, while he was making a cup of tea, told me the story that when he is in the zone, working as a mechanic on a race car, he often sees his father or his dog from when he was younger, right there by his side. When he's consciously aware of them and turns his head, they disappear. But he says, I know they're with me. None of these People would have had the opportunity to share if I didn't open my mouth. And that's why I open my mouth here with you today. No, you don't have to be pushy. But if there's an opportunity to say something, you can always say, Hey, I don't know if you believe in this, but this is what just happened to me, or this is what I heard, or this is a video I saw on YouTube. You'll find more people than not will be interested, and you may end up with new friends. As we are going into the holiday time, I feel certain that there are many people whose hearts are heavy, your loved ones may not be with you, whether they're somewhere else on the globe or they're in the afterlife. And I really wanna charge these episodes with heartwarming stories. So this episode, let's pretend we're sitting around a fireplace together. And this is a fireside conversation with Sandra. Here's our first story by Megan. My brother James was a beacon of light in a very dark world. He was always smiling, and there never seemed to be a day that he was in a bad mood. He was a generous man who would never hesitate to give everything had he known you were in need of it. Always there to lend a shoulder to cry on or tell a joke to lift your spirits, he was truly one of a kind. Michael was tragically killed on impact when a teenager running from the police in a stolen car hit him at over 100 miles per hour. The police came to our home in the middle of the night to tell us the shattering news. The night before Michael was laid to rest, we viewed his beautiful face one final time at the funeral home. A heart-wrenching ordeal, we solemnly went home to grieve. Once home, I curled up in the family room with my brother Thomas and my future husband Jason. We had the television on, but we were not really watching it. My parents had gone to bed as soon as we had gotten home. After maybe an hour, I heard heavy footsteps in the upstairs hallway and assumed it was my father coming downstairs to get a drink of water. The kitchen door didn't open, so I shrugged it off and didn't think too much of it. But the footsteps continued into the kitchen. I looked up, but still didn't see anyone. I turned to Thomas and asked him if he saw anyone. He glanced quickly and shook his head. Suddenly, the stained glass sun catchers on the sliding glass door started swinging back and forth for no apparent reason. Shocked, I turned to Thomas and Jason to see if they also saw what I was seeing. Their eyes were wide as they looked at me in disbelief. Thomas cleared his throat and asked, Michael, are you here? The sun catchers continued to swing, and now somewhat faster. Grins spread across all three of our faces. Without warning, the swinging stopped. Our shoulders drooped, because we figured Michael had left. The dogs, however, seemed to know he was still there because they jumped off Jason and Thomas's laps to jump on the couch next to the sliding door. This was astounding, because for whatever reason, they would only do that on that particular couch when Michael was sitting there. We all laughed and tears of joy filled our eyes as we knew Michael was there to say hello and let us know he was still with us. We all told him that we love him and that we missed him. Soon, the dogs retreated from the couch and got back onto Jason and Thomas's laps. We heard the floorboards creak upstairs in my parents' room, and we thought, Michael has just gone to visit them. The next morning, my mother told us about how she had the most wonderful dream that Michael had been in their room. He had hugged her and told her not to worry. Thomas Jason and I each looked at each other knowingly and said, Hey, mom, you want to hear something else amazing? I like that story. The good news is that there's an afterlife and that our loved ones are still alive and that we're going to see them again. And we go on in the afterlife to do all the things we didn't get to do when we were human. In a world with beautiful colors, beautiful music, we can create anything. So that's the good news. The bad news is that in a human body and in a human mind, our humanity will try to convince us not only to be skeptical, but that the afterlife isn't real. Someone emailed me earlier today who has gotten a ton of proof that her loved ones are in the afterlife. Yet, she says, I wake up every morning a skeptic, not believing these things have happened. My friends... I do the same thing. I wake up forgetting who I am and what I'm interested in. It's part of being human. So be gentle on yourself. Let's go to the break and we'll come back with some more fireside stories with Sandra. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM, Paranormal Podcast Network.
3: Don't
4: go anywhere. There's more Shades of the Afterlife coming right up.
3: In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in the Jinx.
0: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: We are happy to announce that our Coast to Coast AM official YouTube channel has now reached over 300,000 subscribers You can listen to the first hour of recent and past shows for free. So head on over to the Coast2CoastAM.com website, and hit the YouTube icon at the top of the page. This is free show audio, so don't wait. Coast2coastAM.com is where you want to be.
3: In the recent history of documentary filmmaking,
2: Hey, bring us along anywhere, even when you're trimming your tree. Happy Holidays from iHeartRadio. Welcome back shades of the afterlife i'm sandra champlain and just pretend that we are together with some friends drinking some hot cocoa cup of tea something stronger telling stories about the afterlife not ghost stories but special stories of reunions here's another this story is from mrs kennedy i woke up when i felt someone sit on the side of my bed I glanced at the clock and saw that it was the middle of the night. I pushed my pregnant body up on my elbows, expecting to see my five-year-old daughter in need of comfort or refuge from a nightmare. Instead, I was surprised to see my Italian grandfather sitting there looking at me. Pop, what are you doing here? I said. He smiled and patted my leg. I come to tell you something and to ask you a favor, he said. Oh, okay, I said, still groggy from sleep. He put his hand on my rounded stomach and smiled at me. You will have a boy coming soon, he said. My jaw dropped. How do you know, I asked. He nodded and tapped his finger against the side of his head and smiled, a gesture he always made to assure me of his wisdom. Now I ask a favor, since I never had a son for you to give him my name as part of his, he said. I could never refuse my pop any favor, he asked of me, and least of all, this special one. I will be happy to give him your name, I said. He nodded and smiled, then stood up, waved goodbye, and walked out of the room. I let my head sink back onto the pillow and lay there thinking about what just happened. It must have been a dream. I told myself, because my grandparents and other relatives lived 3,000 miles away. But I was awake, and he was there, and he touched me, and he talked to me. At dawn, the telephone rang. I wondered who would be calling at this early hour, and I stumbled out of my bed. My aunt's voice greeted me when I answered the phone. I have bad news, she said. I sucked in my breath and grasped the top of the kitchen chair. Pop had a heart attack in his sleep and passed away. I could feel the goosebumps rising on my arms as I slid onto the chair. I know, I said. My aunt gasped at my response. How did you know? Did someone else call you? She asked. I wanted to tell her about Pop's visit, but I knew it would be impossible for her to understand, and believe me, because I was still struggling to put what happened in perspective. Yes, yes, the call woke me up, so I don't remember who called, I said, knowing that that was a plausible excuse, since my relatives usually forget about the three-hour time difference between the East and West Coast. We talked for a few minutes and agreed it would be unwise for me to travel during the last trimester of my pregnancy, so I wasn't expected to attend the funeral. As was the custom in my family, she said she would send me a copy of the obituary and one of the funeral cards. I rested my head on the table, feeling a mixture of sadness at his passing and joy from his visit. Memories of my grandfather played through my mind for the next few days with the reality of his visit. I knew it wasn't a dream. It was far too real, and I felt his presence. When the copy of the obituary and the funeral card came in the mail, I read the brief chronicle of my grandfather's life. He was born in Sicily, emigrated to America, married and fathered two daughters. He was a self-taught mandolin player, having learned to play by ear at an early age. His work history and retirement date and church affiliation were also included. At the end of the obituary, was the cause and time of his death. I blinked and read the time listed once again. Pop's time of death was only minutes before I awoke to find him sitting on the side of my bed. I gave birth to a boy two months later. His middle name is Sebastian, in honor of my grandfather. And like his great-grandfather, he is a self-taught musician of a similar stringed instrument the guitar, which he learned to play by ear at an early age. I write this in loving memory of Pop and know he will never die. That's a sweet story. And I'm just thinking about episode 93 of this show. Do you remember that one? That's when I did the different meditations and then at the end, connected you with your loved one. But one of the things I talked about was looking and seeing all of our ancestors there. So this story just makes me remember that around each and every one of us, it's not just those closest to us, but it's those closest to them, and so on and so forth. All kinds of love coming from the afterlife, all related to you. Now here's a story by Megan. Our dog Jonathan was special. I purchased him for my husband as a Christmas gift, and we made the long trek over the snowy mountains to pick him up in eastern Washington. A beautiful dark gray color, his eyes shone bright blue in the light, and his fur felt like velvet. My husband decided to name him Jonathan, since we've always liked that name. We called him Johnny for short. He was smart and learned tricks quickly. He always had a smile on his face and loved his tennis balls. He played with them for hours. When tired, he would hide his tennis balls under the couch so our other dog, Jasmine, would not take them. Water was Johnny's vice, and he would swim for hours or open his mouth wide to be doused when we ran the hose. He was the king of making funny faces, and he loved nothing more than being fond over and loved. He would even dance by chasing his tail when we played music. He especially loved the song by the Charlie Daniels band, The Devil Went Down to Georgia, because they sang his name in it. One day, when he was about 19 months old, he began having terrible seizures. Some would last five minutes, some would last more than 45 minutes. It was terrifying to watch him have these episodes. We took him to the veterinarian, and they put him on anti seizure medication. The medication did not stop the seizures, so we took him to a neurologist who diagnosed him with epilepsy. They recommended that we start him on a custom compound medication we had to pick up from a special pharmacy. This combination of medications did nothing to help Johnny. They made him sick, he was unable to keep anything down. He lost interest in his tennis balls and even forgot his tricks. The doctors recommended that we restrict his activity, and they thought possibly too much stimulation was adding to his issue. After being on medications for close to three months, he was still having seizures. We were unable to stop them and made the heart-wrenching decision to euthanize him. We chose to do it on 4th of July because we felt that every year his life would be celebrated by fireworks that morning as we drove to the veterinarian he relished the wind on his handsome face while spending our last moments with him he kissed away our tears it seemed like he was telling us not to be worried that he would still be here with us he loved us and forgave us we were distraught for the next few weeks for our house seemed devoid of happiness it seemed so unfair that johnny had gotten so sick so young and worse, that we were not able to cure him. One lonely evening, after sharing our favorite memories of Johnny once again, we headed upstairs to bed. Our other dog, Jasmine, refused to climb the stairs behind us. We wholeheartedly believe in life after death. So we asked, Johnny, are you here? Suddenly, the phone rang. I looked at the caller ID and it said my husband's cell phone was calling. Confused, he pulled his phone out of his pocket, and the screen showed that it was not actually calling our home phone. We let the call go to the answering machine. After our recorded greeting, four barks sounded from the speaker. The call hung up then, but it didn't save the message or the caller ID. Smiles crept across our faces as we realized Johnny had come back to let us know he was still around. That night, my husband had a dream that he visited Johnny in a large field with a pond, where Johnny was running around with other dogs, a huge smile on his face. We strongly feel that he is at the Rainbow Bridge, waiting for us to join him someday, and because he was my husband's special friend, he was the privileged one to view him in that setting. Johnny now seems to come visit us when we miss him or need him the most. When my husband's knee was bothering him, he prayed that his pain might be taken away. He woke up in the middle of the night to find the bedroom bathed in a bright light and our dog Johnny lying by that specific knee and licking it. And guess what? He has never had discomfort in that knee again. Though Johnny is no longer with us physically, we are grateful that he still visits us from time to time. So, love is love is love. It doesn't matter if it's a human with two legs. It doesn't matter if it loves tennis balls and has four legs. It doesn't matter if it chirps, it quacks, it oinks our pets will be right there to greet us in the afterlife. A while ago, I talked to a gal named Brandy who had had a near-death experience. And as vivid and as clear as could be, she was being held by her mother. And all of the pets she had ever had were around her. So special. I honestly think that we grieve more for our pets sometimes Than with human beings because they're filled with that unconditional love, aren't they? So special. But worry not, you will see them again too. It is time for another break. So we'll come back with some more stories. I'm glad you're here today and I'm glad you're part of our community. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
1: Don't go anywhere, there's more Shades of the Afterlife coming right up. In the recent history of documentary
3: filmmaking, one scene stands out above all the hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now, the person responsible for that moment, Sareb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching The Furthest Thing from the Truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever.
2: Hey, you want to know a secret? Even Santa listens to iHeartRadio. Ho, ho, ho! Happy holidays! Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we are sharing some special stories. This next story is from Patricia. My husband Ben's health was quickly declining. He needed a liver transplant to survive. We spent weeks with him in the hospital, hoping to get on a transplant list, but hope was growing dim. He was losing his battle. Ben was only 43 years old, Once athletic, strong, and strikingly handsome, with black hair and olive skin, he was always quick to volunteer, be a leader, and help others. He made it a priority to help kids play baseball by providing scholarships and coaching little league teams. Now the man in the hospital bed looked more like a frail old man than my husband. We celebrated our 21st wedding anniversary in the hospital. We sat close on Ben's hospital bed as friends served us a romantic Italian dinner. You're still my prince, you know. So keep looking for that white horse, I said playfully to Ben. From the time we were dating, I had called him my handsome prince and teased him that he needed to find me a white horse. I had always admired white horses. After all, the prince always arrives on the white horse to save the princess and the night on the black horse never stands a chance. More than once, he planned a night out for us in a chauffeured white limousine. It has a team of white horses under the hood, he would say. I smiled now, thinking of those sweet memories. Our three children, Amanda, Benjamin, and Jordan, visited their dad as often as they could. But it was difficult with a hospital located so many miles away in a different state. I wish they were here with me now to say their final goodbyes to their daddy. A storm the night before had covered everything with a thick blanket of ice, completely shutting down the city. It was much too dangerous for friends to bring our children to the hospital to visit their dad. Early that morning, Ben and I held hands as we watched the news on TV. People driving looked more like they were playing bumper cars at a carnival. It was heartbreaking and scary to watch them helplessly skidding on the ice. My sister Cheryl stayed with me and was my strong support. I'm thankful we decided to stay the night at the hospital, I said. We wouldn't have been able to come back today. I looked at Ben, who was intently watching me. Ben wasn't able to talk, but his eyes were full of expression. By 10 o'clock on that icy January night, Ben's condition took a bad turn. We're losing him, Nurse Lisa said, checking Ben's oxygen levels. We have to help him, I said, holding Ben's hand. Please don't leave me, Ben. I need you. I brushed the hair off his temples. Tears streamed uncontrollably down my cheeks as his breathing became shallow. Dear Lord, please help him, I cried out. Suddenly, a feeling of peace swept over me. I told Ben, it's okay to let go and go home. God is waiting and has a beautiful place prepared for you. I love you, and when you get to heaven, please find me a white horse. Ben took in another deep breath. In a panic, I looked to Nurse Lisa and waited as she checked for a heartbeat. He's gone. I'm so sorry, she said through her tears. I sobbed, barely able to catch my breath, as I lay close to Ben, burying my face in his neck and wrapping my arms under his shoulders. I don't know how long we stayed like that, but at some point, I opened my eyes and saw soft pink iridescent lights dancing around the room. They reminded me of floating bubbles, only they were teardrop-shaped. It didn't register at first that anything odd was happening. I was mesmerized watching the dance of the lights around the room. Then I stopped crying, and I was filled with an unexplainable sense of peace and calmness. I truly believe what I saw was the dance of angels in the room rejoicing with Ben. Do you see that? I whispered to Cheryl, with no answer. Sitting up, I could see her through the windows in the hallway, outside the room. She was already busy making phone calls. I laid back down next to Ben and watched the dancing lights for a long, long time. Then, suddenly, they took a turn out the window to dance on the rooftops and were gone. Was it my imagination? Was I seeing things? I dismissed the questions as I basked in the peacefulness that I felt. The iridescent lights appeared again several days later at the end of the cemetery service for Ben. We had just released a bouquet of balloons to float up to heaven when I noticed the large display of swirling lights coming closer. They were beautiful as they danced through the air. Do you see that? I said with excitement to my mother-in-law, Joanne, who sat next to me as I pointed to the edge of the cemetery. What do you see? she asked. Little lights everywhere. I think they're angels dancing with Ben. I see them too, she said. We both stood mesmerized. Look, a white feather. She bent down to pick up the feather. That's a sign from heaven that an angel has been here. She placed the feather in her purse. Six months after Ben passed away, I made a spontaneous decision on a beautiful, warm, sunny day to visit a nearby horse stable. All three of my kids had plans with their friends that afternoon, so I knew the house would feel extra empty and lonely. I found comfort walking through the stables and petting the velvet soft noses of horses as they greeted me over their stall doors. The sweet smell of alfalfa hay wafted through the air and the sounds of horses whinnying brought back fun childhood memories of horse shows that I attended with my dad. I liked hearing the clomp clomp sounds of the horse's hooves as they were led down the concrete center walkways. It refreshed my spirit to be near these magnificent animals. For a little while, I could escape the deep pain in my heart. I found solace sitting on a straw bale next to the stall in a quiet barn. Dear Lord, thank you for the wonderful peace you have given me with the gift of spending time at the horse stables. I miss being around horses. Is there any work I can do here at the stable? I had no more finished my prayer when a pretty lady with long blonde hair came walking around the corner. After a brief introduction, I learned she was the manager of the stables. Know of anyone that would like help with their horses? I asked hopefully. Funny you should ask. I just told my sister an hour ago that we need to find someone to exercise freckles, she said. Freckles? She is our old barn mare and really needs someone to ride her. Do you have any experience riding? Oh, yes, I said, jumping off the straw bale. I used to be a rodeo queen, and I barrel raced and showed horses for years. Well, then, you're welcome to ride Freckles any time you want. That would be great. I would love to ride her, I exclaimed. Well, let's go meet Freckles. My heart jumped for joy when I saw the manager lead out a white horse out of her stall. Freckles was beautiful with a long flowing white mane and tiny specks of red dots on her sleek coat. Oh, I can see why you call her Freckles, I said. My last words spoken to Ben kept running through my mind. When you get to heaven, find me a white horse. Shall we saddle her up and you can take her for a ride now? That would be great. That was the beginning of my relationship with Freckles my beautiful white horse, a gift from Ben. On one of our rides a month later, with the warm July breeze on my face, Freckles and I headed to the middle of a meadow covered with yellow and white daisies and surrounded by green horse pastures. Snow-capped Mount Hood looked majestic in the distance with clear blue skies as the perfect backdrop. The beauty was amazing. The saddle leather creaked, as I shifted my weight to look around. Come on, girl, let's go. Freckles stopped in her tracks, her gaze fixed on something ahead, ears forward, nose lifted to the air to catch a scent. What is it, girl, I said, patting the side of her neck, my heart pounding in my chest. Suddenly, hundreds of swirling iridescent lights, resembling bubbles, appeared in front of us. "'Mesmerized, I watched as a calm peacefulness settled over me. "'I felt arms wrap around me in a hug, "'but there was no one else there. "'Freckles sensed something, too. "'She appeared to watch the lights move. "'Angels,' I whispered to Freckles. "'We're watching the dance of angels. "'The silvery-pink lights danced around us for several minutes.' and neither one of us moved a muscle. Then, just as quickly as they appeared, they were gone. Freckles took a big, sighing breath and started walking again. Freckles and I covered a lot of ground that summer, but I didn't see the dance of the angels again, although I felt their presence many times. I'm thankful for my summer with my beautiful white horse and the dance of the angels, my special gifts from Ben. About a year ago, on episode 60, I spoke with Lorna Byrne, who is a world-famous author who sees angels. She describes them as these lights, and she saw them ever since she was a child. Makes me wonder. Also, a friend of mine told me that he thought he was seeing the soul of his loved ones after they had passed. He described the similar light, all these little flecks of pink dancing around and leaving the room, angels, the soul of a loved one, something's happening. I'd be interested in finding out if you have any of these kind of experiences. I think it's good to hear the different experiences to know that we're not crazy. And this story was a little tender to my heart, as I know many of us have been by the bedside of a loved one. And unfortunately, the more we love, the more it hurts. So grief can be devastating. But in those quiet moments, keep an eye out for signs, sparkly lights, strange behavior with a pet or animal. You never know. We'll continue with more stories in just a minute. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM paranormal
0: podcast network stay right
3: there there's more sandra coming right up in the recent history of documentary filmmaking one scene stands out above all the hot mic bathroom confession of robert durst in the jinx
0: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Did you know that tests that could save your life from cancer are now available for little or no cost thanks to the health care law called the Affordable Care Act? Let this be the year you get screening tests that can detect cancer early when it's most treatable. Don't let concerns get in the way. Talk to a doctor or other medical professional to learn more about the best cancer testing options for you.
3: In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession
2: Happy holidays from your friends at iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain. The more and more I read these stories to you, I feel compassion for us. Life isn't easy. Some of us have dealt with a lot of pain, a lot of grief, perhaps a lot of death, and we still manage to go on. Whoever you are and whatever you've been through, either give yourself a hug or pretend you're giving yourself a virtual hug. But I want you to pat yourself on the back for the tough times that you've made it through. We are souls having a human experience. And many people say that we signed up for this life, knowing how hard it would be. We get the real soul growth out of the tough times, not the easy times. This next story is by Joanne. And for those who have parents or loved ones with Alzheimer's or dementia, I send lots of love. I've always been close to my mom, Not that we didn't fight. We fought like cats and dogs. But the fighting was part of our connection. My mother was very outspoken. She didn't care who you were. If she had something to say, she'd say it. I tend to be the same way. So the two of us butted heads quite a bit. However, we were also best friends, always in each other's corner. If I needed her, she was there. If she needed me, I was there. We supported one another. We loved one another. We shared many fights, but many more laughs. We laughed all the time, sometimes until our stomachs hurt and tears streamed down our faces. About 10 years ago, I noticed the laughter slowly subsiding, and Mom seemed constantly preoccupied. Something just felt wrong. She couldn't remember where she put anything, and she seemed to be so mad at me all of the time. When she couldn't remember certain things, I figured, well, we all have bad days. Maybe she was just having many bad days. But the problems were consistent, and what started off as every now and then became more frequent. Then the laughter seemed to stop. I asked my husband one night, when was the last time you heard mom laugh? He said he couldn't remember. Slowly, the connection between mother and daughter fell away. At times, I felt like I was talking to a stranger and taking care of a stranger. It was obvious to me that something was seriously wrong with my mom. Mom and I shared the same doctor. I phoned our doctor and relayed all of my fears and concerns. The doctor said she would talk to mom the next time she was in, but that my fears and concerns were nothing to worry about. She said that she had seen mom recently and she felt fine. I kept telling her that mom was not fine. My mother was the best actress around, and she had everyone fooled. She learned the little tricks and manipulated everyone around her to the point that when I said something was wrong, people thought I was being a negative daughter. As time went on, I pleaded with my family and our doctor to do something. Finally, my doctor saw that something was seriously wrong, and we had mom properly tested. Four years ago, the medical community finally agreed with me that my mother had Alzheimer's. I wanted my mother to come live with me, but she accepted my brother's invitation instead. My brother lives across Canada in Niagara Falls. I couldn't understand why she would move all that way. To be honest, it hurt, and it was a blow to me. All I wanted to do was to take care of my mom, as I had hoped one of my sons would do for me. My brother wanted to do the same thing. I voiced my concern about sending our sick mother across country, but he insisted that he wanted to do this. So I stepped aside. I packed all of her things, shipped what she needed across the country, and put her apartment up for sale. I drove her to the airport and put her on a plane with a one-way ticket to Ontario. It was one of the worst days of my life. My husband couldn't be there that day so I had my two boys with me. They were seven and five years old. As I watched mom walking with a flight attendant to the plane, she turned to me to wave goodbye, and the tears were streaming down her face. It took everything I had not to run up to her, grab her, and tell her she was coming home with me. I turned to my seven-year-old with tears streaming down my face and said, I think I've made a mistake, Mom." Granny won't remember who we are next year, he said. It's time to let her go and be with the other part of her family. And you haven't made a mistake. That stopped me in my tracks. My mother had two sons, one daughter, and six grandchildren back east. My son was right. It was time for her to go home. Due to work and everyday life, it was a full year before I saw my mother again. My son was right. We got off the plane in Toronto and drove straight to Niagara Falls to be with Mom. She walked into the room, and I could see it in her eyes. She had no idea who I was, who my children were, or who my husband was. The actress part of her came out again. She did her best to please everyone and pretend she knew who we were. But everyone in that room knew that Mom had no clue who we were. It was a weird two weeks, no connection to mom at all. I tried. We all tried. We saw her every moment we could, and it was like I was sitting with a woman down the street, a woman I hardly knew. The day we left Niagara Falls, I drove by myself to the home of where my mother was living. It was just the two of us. I had left the children and my husband at my brother's house. I wanted the time alone. Three hours and my mother and I hardly said a word to each other. We sat outside in the garden just to be together, but the connection was still lost. On the flight home, I tried to remember the mother I once had, the laughter, the arguments, all the connections, but I couldn't get the Alzheimer's mom out of my head, the woman who didn't know her daughters, her sons, her grandchildren. This past Christmas, my brother phoned to tell me that our mother had taken a bad fall. She broke her ribs, and one of the broken ribs punctured her lung. We didn't think she would make it. But sure enough, she survived, and the doctors thought she might even get out of the hospital. One night, my mother asked about me, my children, and my husband. My brother called to tell me that she asked for all of us by name. He said for the very first time in a long time, He felt like he was talking to mom again. My heart went cold because I knew that this was a short-lived gift. The clarity, the recognition. Because mom hadn't remembered who I was for two years. My brother was so happy. I told him I was thrilled that she had some clarity. However, I didn't think it was a good sign. The very next day, mom fell into a coma and no one knew why. The next 48 hours were a strange time because I lived across the country and was not sure what to do. No one knew how long she would be in the coma. I was torn. Should I fly back east now or wait? That night, I felt the connection of mom come back. Mom came to me in my dreams as my mother, not the woman I hardly knew, but the mother I knew so well. I could almost smell her and feel her. She told me I needed to stay where I was. I woke up with peace in my heart and told my husband I would wait to see what happened. 24 hours later, my husband and I took our children to a movie. On the way home, I fell asleep. I'm not sure how to explain it, but it felt as if this energy moved through me. The feeling was so abrupt that I woke up immediately. I said to my husband, Mom is gone. The connection was there, and then it was gone. When we got into the house, I went to the phone, expecting to see a message on the answering machine. There was no message, but I knew in my heart that Mom had moved on. Ten minutes later, the phone rang, and it was my sister-in-law. She said that Mom had passed away. I asked her what time it was and she told me what I already knew about a half hour earlier, the precise time I felt the energy move through me. Mom, you see, had managed to reconnect with me after all. In this story, Joanna told of her mom coming back to life just before she had passed. And we hear that so much, whether someone has Alzheimer's or not, there are people that haven't spoken in days and weeks and just moments before they pass. Some can sit right up out of bed and become alive, alert, and it's natural for families to think, oh, they're getting better, but not so. It's actually quite miraculous when people who don't have mental faculties can have full memory again, just for a few brief moments. Those who have loved ones with dementia, it is said that part of them is in this world and part of them is already in the other world. Also, those of us who have seen our loved ones suffering, it is said that our loved ones' soul can leave their body before they do. I hope so, as that was the case with my dad. I know with myself, this episode brought up some raw emotions, some memories. It's good to experience them, what we resist persists. Part of being human is to experience emotions. And the more we experience, the more growth we have for our soul. And I really do believe that that's the purpose of life. It's to experience, to love, to forgive, to make a difference for others, to have fun, a sense of wonder, of joy. And like Joanna said, a good laugh. We can feel alone so often, can't we? But I want you to know you are never alone. Right now, wherever you are, you have some smiling faces looking at you. You may not see them, but they're your loved ones cheering you on. You've made it this far. You can make it all the way through. Also, you have a huge community of almost 7,000 people. If you'd like to join our Facebook group, Just go to our home base, com, and click on Facebook group at the top of the page. My friend, you are not alone. Don't be so hard on yourself. It's hard being human. I'm Sandra Champlain. Go find something that will make you laugh today. Thank you for listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM, Paranormal Podcast Network.